Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It smelled like dead, rotten skin. Nature's deadliest organisms. It felt like a knife being driven through my spine. They can hijack our bodies. For a father to see his son weathering away, it killed me. Disable our immune systems. Sometimes, this infection can be fatal. And eat us from within. It was terrifying to think that I'm just watching him die. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Twenty-three-year-old Adam Spencer and his girlfriend Shaylin Pack live in Vanita, Oregon. They are recent college graduates with a passion for traveling and have saved up enough money for an exotic six-month odyssey. We'd always wanted to go to South America for the tropics, and we were just really attracted to the culture. Along the way, we took a lot of photos and video clips. We went to Peru to hike the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, and uh, I had something else planned that it would be really special for both of us. This is the last part of our journey. This is the big day. When we got to the first site of Machu Picchu, I got down on one knee, and I told Shailen how much she meant to me and how she's the most wonderful woman I've ever known. Will you marry me? (laughs) The whole crowd just gasped, and there's just silence, and everyone was watching, and then, you know, I said yes. It's just a surreal moment. I just wanted to be in it forever. For two months, the couple travels through the Peruvian Amazon. We did some bird watching, which is incredible. And then we've been hiking for about nine hours now. So, uh, yeah, we just have had a great day. Their next stop is Bolivia, where they take an off-road tour of the Great Salt Flats. You could look out over all the salt flats and see the clouds perfectly reflected. I had my head out the window taking pictures, and then I caught my reflection in the rearview mirror, and I just noticed I had this pimple on my cheek. I kind of scratched at it a little bit, you know, did a little squeeze to see if it would pop. 
but it was just hardened and almost a scab. We assumed that it was just a pimple, just from not showering and sleeping in dirty hostels. We really didn't think about it much. Three weeks later, Adam and Shaylin are in a hostel in Cochabamba, Bolivia. The pimple grew to the size of a small pea, and it had a little scab on it. It was starting to look a little gross. I was frustrated that it hadn't gone away yet. We were thinking this pimple is infected somehow. So Adam put on this antibiotic ointment. When I put the antibiotic ointment on, the pimple started oozing a little bit. I thought that it was starting to heal, and it would go away in a few days. Next, they make their way to Oruro, Bolivia, to join the festivities of the Carnival of Oruro. Adam and Shaylin spend all day partying and don't get back to their hotel room until late that night. We had a crazy night. The next day I woke up with just a terrible hangover. I just had a bad headache. I went to the bathroom and tried to freshen up and splash some water in my face. I looked up in the mirror. I couldn't believe what happened. The pimple had exploded overnight. It was just this open crater about the size of a nickel. It was indented into my face and it looked raw and it looked angry. It was oozing and it just, it really didn't look good. I knew that this was something pretty serious that was going to take more than antibiotics. Adam dresses the wound with a bandage and later that day, they visit a local clinic. The doctor cleaned it with some alcohol formula and she swiped it with a little cotton swab. The doctor just thought it was a bacterial infection. She gave him all sorts of antibiotics, a shot, several pills, and an ointment. We were hoping the wound should start healing up. The couple continue on their Odyssey tour. Three weeks later, they're wrapping up their travels in a hostel in Chile. We were backing up our photos and we were looking through some of them and we noticed that my face had gotten more swollen as the pictures became more and more recent. I knew that this was a serious issue. I was very concerned. Shailen wanted me to see a doctor, but I just wanted to enjoy what time we had left. So I just decided to wait it out until we got back to the U.S. A week later, they return home, and Adam sees his general practitioner, Dr. Stephan Ames of Thurston Medical Clinic. Adam came in with a wound on the right side of his face. It was firm, but soft and mushy in in the middle. I was concerned that this was a staph infection. Staph infections are caused by the Staphylococcus bacteria. When the bacteria enter the body, the bacteria release toxins that destroy the surrounding skin cells, creating a pus-filled wound. Staph infections are common in crowded public areas with poor sanitation and are highly contagious. But that's not Dr. Ames' primary concern. The staph can enter the bloodstream. Then it can infect multiple organs and can cause him to die. I was really scared. I didn't think that I could die from it. We felt pretty beaten down. We had come back from our trip and we're ready to plan our wedding and move on with our lives. And now we're dealing with a potentially fatal infection. To confirm the diagnosis, Adam's doctor takes a tissue sample and sends it to the lab for culturing. For a week, Adam takes penicillin, but to no effect. So Adam returns to Dr. Ames to get the results of his culture. The culture results did not show 
evidence of a staph infection. I was frustrated and disparaged that it was another week of not knowing. As the days go by, the bizarre infection continues to grow. We have no idea what this thing is on its face. It's getting larger and larger every day, and we don't, we don't know where it's going to stop. It's encroaching his eye. It was pretty frightening. This case was puzzling. I could not uh, figure it out, so I referred him to a specialist. Adam must wait four days before visiting an infectious disease doctor, and the appointment can't come soon enough. The day before the appointment, he is at home with Shaylin. I was eating lunch with Shaylin, and I started developing a sore throat. I could barely swallow what I was eating. It really made it feel like sandpaper was rubbing up against it, and it made it feel more and more raw. So I looked in the back of his throat with the flashlight, and I could see there were these large white bumps, and the back of the throat just looked malformed. It was terrifying. And I thought, well, I shouldn't be getting any sort of sickness because I'm taking all these medicines. I felt like my body was breaking down. I was concerned that this wound on, in the back of his throat could turn into something like his face and affect his breathing ability and his vocal ability. It was terrifying to think that I'm just watching him die. After a six-month odyssey across South America, newly engaged Adam Spencer has returned home to Veneta, Oregon with a massive wound across his face. And it seems the medicines he's taking are powerless to stop it. I felt like my body was breaking down. His wound had grown to about two inches. It was really scary. Adam and Shaylin visit infectious disease specialist Dr. William Muth of Samaritan Infectious Disease in Corvallis, Oregon. Adam presented with a disfiguring sore on his cheek. There are a number of infections that could have been, but the fact that Adam had this rather dramatic lesion on his cheek and he had spent time in South America made me think that this could be cutaneous leishmaniasis. Cutaneous leishmaniasis is a disease caused by an organism called leishmania. Leishmania is a single-celled parasite that enters the body through the skin. The body sends immune cells to attack the parasite, but the parasites fight back, penetrating the immune cells, feeding off of them, and then reproducing inside them. As the parasites multiply, they devastate the surrounding tissue, causing hideous sores on the skin. I'm a young guy, and to really just get stopped in your tracks by a microscopic parasite, I was worried about how far it would go. Dr. Muth continues to examine Adam and encounters something disconcerting. Adam also had a swollen lymph node on the right side of his neck, not too far from the skin sore, and that itself could indicate that this infection was spreading. The doctor looked in my throat, and he thought that I might have mucocutaneous leishmaniasis. Mucocutaneous leishmaniasis is a rare form of the disease that destroys the soft tissue of the mouth, nose, and throat. Mucocutaneous leishmaniasis can be very disfiguring, and when it's not treated, could be deadly. We had already waited so long to get an answer of what this was, and now knowing that this is a fatal parasite, I was really, really scared. I became really afraid that it was already strong enough that I could die from it. It was really scary because this would travel to his nose, to his eyes, and eventually kill him. The thought of him dying it was really terrifying. 
before they can prescribe the proper medication. Doctors extract a sample from the inside of Adam's throat and send it to the Center for Disease Control to confirm the exact species. But the results can take weeks. During this time, Adam keeps a video blog. I feel tired a lot, uh, so I'm excited to go to bed, but then it kind of sucks because I have to pick the oozing around it, and then it might ooze it during the night, and I, just, I haven't been sleeping well. His face just got so much worse. The wound was growing faster and faster. It was oozing constantly. It affected every part of his life. He couldn't eat. He couldn't breathe without pain. It was really, really scary. I was worried, was my face ever going to look the same again? There was, there was nothing I could do. I was essentially helpless, waiting for the treatment to begin. To cheer himself up, he plays soccer with his friends. I was just playing soccer, and I tried to trap it, and there's a bounce stop, and uh, got hit in this region here, and uh, it's kind of coming out now. A week later, Shaylin discovers something new. Two new lesions popped up on his back, so we knew that it had gone systemic. It was a really, really hard time. Every time I looked in the mirror, I couldn't believe what I saw. I was beginning to worry that I would maybe lose the ability to talk as well. This parasite had taken my dreams and stomped on them. A week later, the CDC confirms the diagnosis. Adam does have a severe case of mucocutaneous leishmaniasis. So they permit Adam to take a powerful drug called amphotericin B. At this point, I was just ready to just get rid of this. I want to start treatment. I've been waiting long enough. Adam begins a 21-day intravenous treatment. But how exactly did Adam contract this deadly parasite? The leishmaniasis parasite is transmitted by a tiny insect called a sandfly. The leishmania parasites mature in the gut of an infected sandfly. And when the sandfly bites a human, it regurgitates those parasites into the skin. When an uninfected sandfly bites an infected host, the cycle continues. Leishmaniasis is mostly found in Asia, the Middle East, Southern Europe, and South America. I was photographing along the riverbank back when we were living in the Peruvian Amazon. I was getting bitten by dozens of sandflies. The bites were noticeable and itchy for about three days, and after that, we kind of forgot about it. This was the day I'd gotten leishmaniasis. Then, after five days of treatment, Adam notices an improvement. My throat had completely healed which was just so relieving. I could eat again. I mean, I could breathe and I could talk. I felt so happy for him that he finally had a positive result and something to show that he was beating this parasite. 11 days later, things are looking up for Adam. I have five days left of the 21-day treatment, and now I feel like it's, it's reverting finally. And it just feels good to, like, feel the improvement and to not feel sad about having a big puffy face and like feeling swollen and having a sore throat. Um, so I feel more productive, I feel more social and uh, just doing a lot better and happier. Yay! But Adam's battle is far from over. I'm still dealing with the parasite today. We had to put the wedding plans on hold because I had a flesh-eating parasite on my face. So we're going to get married next summer and just hope that the wound will be healed, but I'm going to have a huge scar. 
Scar or no Scar, he's the most handsome man that I know. Shaylin's been incredibly supportive throughout the whole process. As far as how I look or how I'm going to look with the scar, I know that that's not gonna affect Shaylin whatsoever. To prevent infection from leishmaniasis, travelers to Asia, the Middle East, Southern Europe, and South America should use DEET-based insect repellent to avoid being bitten by sandflies. It felt like a knife being driven through my spine. He might go into septic shock, which can end up in death. 29-year-old Jeremiah Taylor lives with his newfound love, Dana Lavertu, in Summerland, California. I met Dana while we were both working at the homeless shelter together. I admired her, and obviously I was very physically attracted to her. I thought he was really sweet and had really good work ethics, and we had a lot in common. Together, they share a love of tattoos, motorcycling, and unconventional pets. I had had rats in the past, and when I discovered that she had had rats as well, I decided to get rats together. It was really exciting because we knew that we had just one more thing in common. It was a really small step in a relationship, but it was something that we had that kind of added to a family element. We had our new place together. We had our pets. Everything was going great. Seven months into their relationship, there is a turn of events at work. The homeless shelter was getting a new computer system put in the facility. I came to work in the morning and noticed there was multiple computer towers on the floor. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. My office... I just had to move him out of the way to get to my desk. After lifting the third computer tower, I felt a really sharp shooting pain in my back. I thought that I had just tweaked my back and that it was just going to heal on its own. I just took it easy for the rest of the day and went home. Later that night, Jeremiah and Dana are in bed. 
I had a really rough night's sleep. I just couldn't get comfortable. My lower back just felt like it had a sharp shooting pain, like a, like a stabbing pain. I could feel him tossing and turning in the bed. I felt really bad seeing him in that much pain. After a sleepless night, Jeremiah visits a doctor. The doctor examined my back and pushed on spots to see where, he, where the pain was. He informed me that it was just a, a common lower back strain. The doctor prescribed me a pain reliever and a muscle relaxer. I was relieved that he gave me the prescription because it gave me hope that I'd be able to sleep at night. But the prescription pills don't quell the pain. On the third night, the couple are in bed together when Jeremiah reaches his breaking point. I woke up at three in the morning with sharp pain in my back. It felt like a knife being driven through my spine. I was in so much pain, I just felt like screaming. And the next morning, matters go from bad to worse. My body was shaking uncontrollably, and I couldn't stop. It felt like my body was convulsing. It scared the heck out of me. It was really hard to see him shaking because there was nothing that I could do. I was really worried for Jeremiah. Jeremiah tries to push through the pain, but after three more days, he and Dana return to the doctor who orders an x-ray of Jeremiah's back. I had the x-ray done and everything was normal, but immediately after I went to put my sandal on and I noticed dozens of little red dots all over the bottom of both my feet. I was freaked out. We noticed that they were all over my hands as well. I was scared because I didn't know what was happening to my body. The doctor said that they looked like popped capillaries. The doctor thinks Jeremiah is likely experiencing an allergic reaction to the muscle relaxer and recommends he stop taking them. He thought that they should probably go away in a couple days. The doctor advises Jeremiah to take over-the-counter painkillers instead. Jeremiah takes the medication. Then things come to a head at home. I woke up and I felt like somebody had hit the top of my hand with a hammer. Anytime I moved my hand or flexed my fingers, the pain got really sharp. I felt like it was something out of a movie. Now we were really thinking that it had to be something more serious than just a back injury. It was really scary. Within minutes, Jeremiah notices the pain is spreading. My wrists were creeping in towards my body and I couldn't straighten my arm out and I couldn't straighten my wrist. It really scared me. I was thinking, what the heck is going on with my body? Jeremiah Taylor is a 29-year-old homeless shelter facilities manager who recently injured his back at work. For a week, he took painkillers and a muscle relaxer, but they had no effect. Then one morning, he woke up to a bizarre symptom. My wrists were creeping in towards my body, and I couldn't straighten my arm out, and I couldn't straighten my wrist. That's when we decided it was time to go back to the doctors. The doctor examines Jeremiah's hands and performs a biopsy on the red bumps. He prescribes steroids to reduce the swelling in his hands and wrists for the next week. But Jeremiah continues to live in agony. A week later, he returns to his doctor. 
the results of my skin biopsy were in. The doctor said that the bumps were vasculitis. Vasculitis is a term to describe an inflammation of the blood vessels. Jeremiah's have become inflamed and started to rupture, causing the red lesions on the surface of the skin. The inflammation itself could be caused by a number of things, allergic reactions, autoimmune disorders, even cancer. I was afraid that it was something that they weren't going to be able to treat and maybe I was going to die. Jeremiah is referred to rheumatologist Dr. Timothy Spiegel of Cottage Hospital in Santa Barbara. I was concerned he was a 29-year-old, sick-appearing man who was frightened because he couldn't understand and we couldn't understand what was going on. One of the concerns I had was Jeremiah has multiple tattoos. Tattoos could lead to a subcutaneous infection if there were bacteria or infection from the needle itself. If a contaminated tattoo needle pierces the skin, bacteria can infect the skin and spread to the bones and joints. In extreme cases, the infection can become septic and affect the whole body. Dr. Spiegel orders an MRI of his lumbar spine and a nuclear bone scan of his hands. But the MRI and bone scan don't show any signs of infection. Test after test, they kept coming back negative. I felt like we were wasting more time. The case was puzzling because he had more than we would expect from simply back pain. So Dr. Spiegel orders more blood cultures and discharges Jeremiah while they wait for the results. The next day, he gets a call from the lab. There were organisms growing in his blood cultures. Dr. Spiegel refers Jeremiah to another doctor, infectious disease specialist Dr. Marie-Louise Scully. I was notified that Jeremiah was growing bacteria in his blood. It had special characteristics under the microscope. It had a tendency to form clumps. But the lab is having difficulties identifying the bacteria. To unravel the mystery, Dr. Scully meets with Jeremiah and Dana and gets an extensive history. A typical question, of course, is whether anybody has any pets. I told Dr. Scully that I had two pet rats. Light bulbs went off in my mind thinking about possible rodent-associated infectious diseases. But one in particular stood out based on the symptoms Jeremiah was having. Dr. Scully notifies the lab about Jeremiah's pet rats and sends them more blood cultures. The lab is finally able to grow the bacteria, and the results are in. Jeremiah had rat bite fever. Rat bite fever is a disease caused by the bacterium Streptobacillus maniliformis. The Streptobacillus maniliformis bacteria infected Jeremiah's bloodstream, inflaming the blood vessels, causing the vasculitis. Then the bacteria spread to the soft tissue lining Jeremiah's joints, causing him joint pain. The bacterium Streptobacillus maniliformis makes its home in the respiratory systems of many rodents. Rat bite fever occurs when an infected rodent bites a human. Sometimes, this infection can be fatal. If this bacteria travels to the heart, he might go into septic shock, which can end up in death. When Dr. Scully told me it could turn fatal, it scared the hell out of me. Maybe I was going to die. Homeless shelter facilities manager Jeremiah Taylor just found out that he has rat bite fever. 
If the infection spreads to his heart, it could kill him. Dr. Scully and a team of doctors must examine Jeremiah's heart for infection with the Streptobacillus maniliformis bacteria before it's too late. A probe is put down into Jeremiah's esophagus and we use sound waves to then look directly at the heart valves for any sign of damage and or infection. I was really scared for him because I wasn't sure if he was able to get better from it or not. I was really worried that they were going to find the bacteria had already made its way to my heart. But Dr. Scully has some good news. His heart is unaffected by the bacteria. To combat the spreading infection, Dr. Scully guides a pick line from a vein in his arm to an area near his heart and administers an antibiotic called ertapenem. But how did Jeremiah contract this deadly disease? We play with our rats all the time. We bring them out every day, bring them on the couch, watch movies together, and I'd kiss them. This, of course, would expose him to infected saliva. This organism is more typically associated with rat bites, but it can occur from just handling rodents and or exposure to their urine or feces. Dr. Scully told us that we should get rid of our rats. But ditching their rats is not an option for Jeremiah and Dana. The couple have their own pet theory. Dana and I were pretty confident that our rats were not infected. Things just didn't add up. Dana wasn't experiencing any symptoms, nor were the rats. A week before Jeremiah had his first symptoms, we were asked to clean out storage bins at work. The storage bins were completely disgusting. The storage bins were covered in rat feces. I could have gotten some of this rat feces in my eye or in my mouth somehow. It grossed me out to think that that's how I got this bacteria inside my body. After five days of treatment, he starts to improve. Jeremiah noticed improvements in his joint pains and also the rash he had started to disappear. I started getting a glimmer of hope and feeling that I was actually on the road to recovery. But recovery without his pets seems unbearable. Dana and I decided to get our rats tested to ease our minds and to prove to the doctors that they weren't infected. After my treatment, we found out that my rats were negative for rat bite fever. We were ecstatic because we realized that we were able to keep our pet rats, Maggie and Sandy. I love the rats. I wouldn't trade them for anything. Rat bite fever in humans is very rare in the U.S. There have only been about 200 reported cases in the past 100 years. To prevent infection, people should avoid contact with rats or rat-contaminated dwellings. Owners of pet rodents should use good hand hygiene after handling the animals. And anyone bitten by a rat should seek immediate medical attention. I started shaking his whole body. I couldn't get him to wake up. For a father to see his son weathering away, it killed me. It's early fall in Oildale, California. Monica Blake and Andy Rost have their hands full raising their four children. Tori, Stephen, Brianna, and Tyler. They're a tight-knit family who love America's favorite pastime, football. We're definitely a big football family. Football was something to keep them off the streets and to give them something that made them happy. 
I loved watching them score, watching them run the ball. I'm very proud of my children. But a few weeks into the football season, Tyler is faced with a very different kind of opponent. We were in the bleachers reading for Tyler. He really wanted to win the game that day. He forced a fumble and then picked it up and scored a touchdown. Yeah, I was proud and excited and happy for him. To celebrate, Tyler spends the night at a friend's house. The next morning, Tyler came home early with a headache. He just wanted to lie down and go back to sleep. Tyler hardly ever got sick, so I thought it was unusual that he was complaining about a headache. I thought maybe he had just stayed up too late at his friend's house and was just a little beat up from the game the day before. I told him to lay down and get some rest. Tyler spends the entire day in bed. He just kept grabbing his head, saying that it was pounding. And he said that there was a lot of pain behind his eyes. Tyler's not usually the person that would say he was sick. So I got really worried. His mother gives Tyler some over-the-counter painkillers for his headache. But the next morning, Monica and Tori find Tyler still in bed. He was moaning and crying, and he was holding his head. He was complaining about his back and his head hurting. If you touched him too hard, he would cry and say that it hurt. He was saying that he couldn't hardly move his neck or his back. I asked him to try to touch his chin to his chest. He could barely even move his head down. It was really starting to scare me. Monica and Tori rushed Tyler to the hospital. The doctors immediately started examining him. They was trying to get him to move his neck up and down. They tried to pull his his knees to his chest. When the doctors saw that he couldn't, they started to get more worried. The doctor orders a spinal tap. After the procedure, the doctor meets with Tyler's family. And the doctor said that he had spinal meningitis. Spinal meningitis is the inflammation of the lining of the spinal cord. If left untreated, it can be fatal. I have heard of severe cases of it, and I was scared because this time it was my son. The doctors admit Tyler and treat him with antibiotics. But four days later, Tyler continues to feel ill in the hospital. Tyler complained about his headache, and I was very concerned. But the doctor told us that he would be fine. Tyler is sent home to recover. He told me that he'd never felt this bad before. He'd just say, can you rub my head? Because that was the only thing that would help. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to think about the situation. I was so upset. I wasn't sure exactly what was going on with him. But the doctors do have some advice for Tyler's family. The doctor said that he should start moving around because the more that he moves around, the less stiff his back would be. I tried to get him to sit up or help me do laundry. But he would only do anything for five minutes, and then he'd be right back on the couch laying down. Keen to encourage her son to get back on his feet, the following Monday, Monica sends Tyler to school. But two hours later, she receives a phone call. I got a call from the nurse stating that he had a fever of 104. He was saying that he couldn't hardly move his neck or his back. At that point, I realized that something was still seriously wrong. I was scared that what Tyler had was getting worse. It took everything out of me. Monica rushes Tyler back to the hospital. 
Doctors pull Tyler's charts from the previous visit and examine him. They figured at this point that it was just side effects from having meningitis. The doctors told me that he was still in so much pain because he still needed to be on pain medication. They gave him a steroid injection, a muscle relaxer, and a morphine injection all into his back. The injection seems to work, and later that afternoon, Tyler is discharged. The next morning, Monica checks up on him. When I walked into the room, his hands were clenched to the bars on the bed frame. His lip was swollen and bleeding. So I started shaking his whole body. I started yelling his name. My heart was pounding. I couldn't get him to wake up. Monica Blake and Andy Rost's eldest son, Tyler, has been suffering severe headaches and back pain for a week. Then one morning, Monica tries to wake up her son. I couldn't get him to wake up. I freaked out. I lost it. I didn't know if he was going to be okay or if he was going to come out of it. It scared the hell out of me. Monica calls 911. When the paramedics arrive, they tell the family that Tyler has had a seizure. Tyler is rushed to the hospital. When he gets there, he's still unconscious. They were trying to wake him up. I was really unsure of what was even going on with him. I was scared at this point. He was in a coma and he was on life support. I felt um, completely helpless. Tests show that the pressure on his brain from the spinal fluid is abnormally high. To relieve the pressure, surgeons drill a hole in the top of his skull and insert an external shunt to drain the excess cerebrospinal fluid. Doctors send the fluids to the labs for testing. 24 hours later, they get the results. The doctor said that he had valley fever. Valley fever is an infection caused by a fungus called Coccidioides imitus. The fungus is airborne and probably entered Tyler's body through his air passages. The spores reproduce in the lungs before traveling to the membrane that surrounds Tyler's brain, causing massive inflammation or meningitis. It really scared me when I found out that this fungus was attacking his brain. It's something that you would never expect to happen. Dr. Royce Johnson is the chief of infectious disease at Kern Medical Center in Bakersfield, California. For most individuals that are diagnosed with valley fever, the prognosis is quite good. But unfortunately, if you have bad luck, a small number of people have severe or devastating disease. You can have severe pneumonia and die of respiratory failure, or you can get meningitis, which can be fatal. I was just asking, what could it be? What could cause it? Where could he have gotten it from? The fungus Coccidioides imidus lives in the soil of semi-arid regions, including the southwestern United States. When the soil gets disturbed, it kicks the fungal spores into the air, and that can allow the fungus to infect anyone who inhales them. And in football, there are plenty of kids kicking up dust. The doctors think that he became infected during games or during practices, being outdoors, and was inhaling large amounts of spores. In an attempt to save Tyler's life, doctors administer antifungal medication directly through the shunt in his brain. But Tyler shows no signs of improvement. The fungus kept causing problems and getting thicker no matter what treatments they tried. 
it killed me. Monica Blake and Andy Ross' 12-year-old son, Tyler, had a seizure and was rushed to the hospital. There, doctors discovered a deadly fungus attacking the lining of his brain. He just kept looking worse and worse every day. It killed me watching him lay in that bed. It's harder to get drugs that'll kill fungi without hurting people. Any fungal slow down fungal replication, but you can't get rid of them easily. For six weeks, doctors pumped the antifungal drugs through his body. But in spite of their efforts, Tyler suffers a series of strokes. For a father to see his son go from a 12-year-old stud to withering away, it, it killed me. Finally, doctors present Tyler's family with a terrible decision. The doctors came to us and said that they've tried everything. We didn't want to see him suffer any more than he already had. It's one of the hardest decisions that I've ever had to make. We decided to stop the treatment. Four days later, Monica and Andy must endure a moment no parent ever wants to face. We pushed the chairs right next to his bed, and uh, I held his hand, Monica held his hand, you know, rubbed his face. January 29th, 2011, Tyler loses his fight against Coccidioides imitus. He was 12 years old. All of Ty Tyler's organs felt long before his heart, and it wouldn't stop beating. <laughs> and that's what Tyler was, Tyler was heart. Even dying, his heart wouldn't give up. No parent should ever have to bury their kids. Tyler may be gone, but his memory lives on. We reminisce on all the fun times we've had together, and we keep his memory alive by lighting a candle every single day until we go to bed. It's estimated that up to one half of people living in endemic areas have had valley fever at some point in their lives. Most people recover, but less than 1% of people who get valley fever die from it. People should be aware that windy, dusty conditions in the southwestern United States can stir up high concentrations of the fungus into the air. If there's any suspicion of infection, seek immediate medical attention. For more blood-curdling monsters and their hideous habits, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monsters inside me. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.